son, Josiah, who you see him on the uh, skateboard, skating around. He's the only one allowed, by the way, to skateboard in here. And, uh, and uh, he was about to buy some special uh, chucks, you know what chucks are for a skateboard and wheels. And he knew exactly what he wanted, and he was about to spend his money on them. And last Sunday, somebody came up to him at church and said, hey, I've got some wheels and chucks for you that I want to give to you out of nowhere. And they came this morning, and he said, these are exactly what I was going to order. Yeah. And, and Josiah is a tither. Every, every dollar he gets, he, gives, he puts some in savings. He gives some, well, God, savings, spending. That's how we roll. God spending savings, and he's been doing that ever since he was a little one, and uh, that's the kind of thing that God does. He not only meets our needs, he meets our desires, because he's a good God, and so I love having a 15-year-old son seeing it happen for him tangibly, so as an adult, he won't have any question about giving to God and knowing that God will give back, so... Um, a visitor packet, if you're here for the first time, you should have gotten one of these visitor packets. If not, you can grab one on the way out, table on the left, and uh, in your uh, bulletin, there's a, a guest card. Fill it out, drop it in the box to your left on your way out. It says GPC on it, and grab one of these books called The God Questions, the four most asked questions about God with four brilliant answers. So you can grab that for free. We also have a youth camp coming up this summer, a three-day youth camp. It's going to be awesome, middle school and high school. So you want to look in your bulletin, go online, talk to Chris, Rachel, or Kobe uh, about that. And uh, with that, I'm going to release the middle school, and we're just going to jump right on in. So middle school, uh, you're out. And uh, and let's open ourselves to the teach of the Holy Spirit. Were you, again, palms heavenward with me? Just as a sign of receptivity. You can't understand the Word of God without the Holy Spirit, so let's welcome Him again. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the, the teacher, the author of the Bible, and you're here, and you're moving in, it's an honest through us. Open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and open our spiritual ears and our spiritual hearts so that we can know God. Open your word to us today, Father. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Now give the person next to you a high five and say, let's go. Here we go. All right. And I need my Bible, or I can't go. Right here on the edge. You got it? Thank you for not throwing that. That is about 30 years old. On Pentecost Sunday, which was uh, a couple Sundays ago, I was teaching on what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is where the Spirit of God comes upon you in power. Jesus said, don't try to live the Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The reality is, the truth is, that you and I were designed for the Spirit of God. Just as a car is designed to have gas put in it, just as a, a, uh, a hot air balloon is designed to have hot air blown up into it, you and I were designed, we're not doing that, what love looks like, we're, that's a, we're not in that series this morning. We're, we're, we're doing uh, how to stay filled with the Spirit of God, so... This is why the human race is so desperate. This is why we deal with things like loneliness, fear, hate, frustration, bitterness, 
resentment, all these things that take place in our souls are because of the absence of the Spirit of the living God who is full of God, who is God, love that is beyond our human love, peace that is beyond our human peace, joy that is beyond our human joy, hope where there is no hope, faith when there's no reason to have faith. These things come from God. And so you and I are containers created by God, and we are to be filled with continually the Holy Spirit. This is why life doesn't work without God. It's like a car trying to run without gas. So let's go to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, and I want you to see this with your own eyes, how it all began and how we are supposed to run. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 2, and verse 7, I'm going to wait till we get it up here, Genesis 2, 7. So I want you to see this for yourself. And I want you to put yourself in Adam's place right here, as a human being. Genesis 2, 7. It's coming. It's worth it. Just wait for it. Genesis 2, 7. Look at that. All right. Look at that. It's worth the wait. Kind of like Bella's bacon. You can smell it in the house. You know it's coming. You just got to wait for it. Bam. There it is. And then it sticks to your hips. Okay. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man. From the dust of the ground. (laughs) And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Everybody say the breath of life. Who do you think that is? The Holy Spirit. The breath of God. The life of God. The wind of God. How precious. This is how much God loves you. That he forms man with his own hands out of the earth that he created. Lifeless creature. And then he picks his man up and breathes his personal breath. And Adam comes alive. And the Lord God formed Gary, Kathy, Lily, Bella, Caden, Josiah, Jeff, Marsha Brown, Anthony, Hal, Ella Marie. God formed us with his own hands out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Okay, now let's go to the book of John chapter 20. And that was a long time ago. But in John chapter 20... After Adam and Eve, we're going to go to verse 21 and 22, but don't put it up yet. It was about 6,000 years ago that God breathed his first breath into his first human being. And they had an amazing relationship, which is what you and I are designed for. A relationship with the living God. Which, again, is why life does not work apart from a relationship 
with the living God. Father and son, father and daughter. That's the way we're supposed to roll. Brothers and sisters, family of God. There's no question about purpose, significance, worth. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? All those questions are erased and answered. The question marks are turned into an exclamation point when you reconnect with your creator, Father God. And he gives you his purpose. And the first and primary purpose is just to love him and know him and be loved by him, known by him, walk with him like a father-daughter, father-son relationship. And then from there, we get our assignments from him. He partners with us. He's the one that gave us joy. He's the one that gave us the ability to laugh. He's the one that created the ocean and, and, and created the waves so that we could enjoy them and play in his pool. He's a good dad, great father. Disconnecting from him is where it all becomes confusing. We're scattered. We don't know why we're here, where we came from, where we're headed. They fell from that relationship when they sinned against God and chose to live independently from him. And so this spiritual awareness, the Bible says they literally died spiritually. They're spiritually blinded. The spiritual life was snuffed out. And every child born after them, Adam and Eve, bearing children generation after generation after generation after generation, were born in the spiritual darkness. We're groping. We're trying to figure it out. We study philosophy and we try to understand ethics. What's right and wrong? Well, what is right and wrong? Disconnected from God who created us, who knows what's right and wrong? Who knows why we're here? And then comes Jesus. <laughs> and here comes Jesus. And he's like a magnet. I mean, people just clinging to him. The most broken people feel the most comfortable in his presence. The most sinful people feel so accepted and loved by him. He was just a magnet. They are attracted to him. And then he chooses 12 and says, okay, you're my crew, let's go. And he began his church right there with the first 12. And he says, okay, I got to go away for a little bit. And they said, where are you going? He said, I got to go take care of some business. I have to pay for your sins. So that, do you guys know what? Why? So that, do you know why? Why did he have to pay for our sins? Huh? Somebody? Reconcile, reconnected to God. So we can live with him forever. Give us life, and how does that happen? Huh? Uh-huh. Remember, I give you a big clue on the first scripture, Genesis 2-7. He breathed the breath of life into his first man, his first human being, his first woman, right? And, they, they, and then they were spiritually dead after they fell from his presence. And after Jesus dies and pays for our sins so we can reconnect with God, what is the first thing Jesus did with his first followers? Let's read it. John chapter 20 and verse 21. John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them, this is after he rose from the dead and he's with his guys again, peace to you. The first thing he says is peace. 
first thing he gives them is peace. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You and I were designed to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them, let's go to the book of Acts. Then he tells them not to go anywhere until they receive the power from on high. And now we're going to look at this in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 2, or verse 1, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, which we looked at a couple weeks ago, they were all with one accord in one place. There's the unity. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Yeah, see, that's many times how God moves. You're just seeking him, you're seeking him, you're waiting on him, you're standing all of a sudden, bam, he does something completely out of the norm. They didn't know what they were waiting for, but when it came, boy, they knew it came. They knew they got it. It says, suddenly, there came a sound from heaven, from heaven, not from man, not from the earth, from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus breathed on them? The filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time encounter. The Spirit of God continues to breathe on us, continues to fill us. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers, multiple rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. In just a little bit, we're going to go back into some praise. And we're going to ask God to refill us all over again. Some of you are going to have divine encounters today. Some of you are going to experience the rivers of the living waters of Christ flowing out of you again today. Some of you have some bondages on you, some addictions, some brokenness, and the Holy Spirit is going to break them. He's going to fill you. He's going to heal you. He's going to release some things in you. This is all by the Spirit of God. You and I were designed for the Spirit of God, and He is limitless. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now look what Peter says as they went out of that upper room down into the main street where there are thousands of Jews out there for a Jewish festival. And these 12, or these 120 actually at this point, come out into the street. They're all praising God. They're speaking in other tongues. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. And so everybody said, look at these men. They're all drunk. And Peter stands up and says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and who you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you see, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams, and all my men servants and all my maid servants I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Peter stood up, and he 
quoted a scripture from the Old Testament out of the book of Joel. And when Joel spoke this prophecy, he was speaking to Israel who were living in the desert and they, they were, it was literally desert land because they had turned their backs on God. God's blessing was removed. They were living in, in, in a desolate, parched land. And Joel prophesied that when God restored them as a physical nation of Israel, that God would pour out physical water on this parched land and would turn into the most fertile land on earth, which it is to this day. That actually happened in the physical, in the actual world, that actually happened. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, which is the day of ingathering, the day of the harvest, it was the wheat harvest for the Jews, but God was using it metaphorically as the harvest of human souls. People coming back to God. Joel stood up and said, this is what Joel, uh, Peter stood up and said, this is what the prophet Joel was talking about. He was prophesying, literally, that God would pour out water and a physically parched land But really, he was talking about the future when he would pour out his Holy Spirit on parched souls of human beings. And in the Old Testament, it's not like the Holy Spirit just showed up in the New Testament after Jesus came. The Holy Spirit was all over the Old Testament. But he would only come upon prophets, priests, and kings. Certain leaders, the Spirit of God will come on So they'd have supernatural ability, supernatural awareness of God, supernatural ability to understand the Bible that was written at that time, be able to be moved on by God so that they could lead and, and, and care for God's people. But there was a day coming, a promise, that when the Messiah came and died for our sins and rose from the dead, that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. That the Holy Spirit that was only reserved for a few special people for the first 4,000 years would be available to everybody. Because that's what we were designed for was the Holy Spirit. And not just come upon us like in the Old Testament, but actually go inside of our souls and refresh us from the inside out. And this is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 7. I want you to go there with me. I'm just preaching today a little bit. Is that all right? John chapter 7. John chapter 7, okay, now, you have to understand how cheeky Jesus was. I mean, he was, he was, he irritated the religious leaders of his day. He would do things that were just not socially, it wasn't protocol to say the least, but he was God, and he was coming to rescue his people and to restore his church and do things his way, not their way. Jesus will always slam into religion. Jesus hates religion. Because religion is all about rules and, and measuring up and trying to be good enough. And there's always these religious rulers that tell you you're not good enough. I mean, Satan is the voice behind the religious spirit, right? Satan's the one. You read a chapter in the Bible, and this voice says, well, how come you didn't read two chapters? Shame on you. You prayed 10 minutes? Well, you should have, should have prayed 30 minutes. You're not a very good Christian, Right? He's always dogging your steps. He's always telling you you're not measuring up. You've got to do more. You've got to try harder. That's the enemy. That's never the voice of Jesus. Jesus is an encourager. He may rebuke you, but it will bring you life. It feels great when you get corrected by God because it's hopeful. He's helping you like a parent 
who's out for your best. I mean, some people say, oh, God's going to get me. If God was going to get you, he would save you. That's who God is. Once God catches you, he forgives you and fills you with his spirit and then begins to restore and redeem you. So, yeah, you want to get got by God. But these guys, these religious leaders, they were leading the world's, uh, one of the world's greatest religions, Judaism, but they had reduced it, they had shaped it and formed it down into a, into a rule-keeping reality. And they were, the, they were the judges. Hmm. Have you done everything that we told you to do? And Jesus says, you're not even doing them yourself, you hypocrites. And so then here they are on one of the greatest feasts of the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Tabernacles, where it was, a, it was representative of, every year they, they do this, it was representative of, of how when they were delivered from Egypt, which is bondage, a type of sin, addictions, rulership of the enemy over our lives, they were in Egypt. Then God brought them out and they lived in the desert for 40 years and they lived in tents, tabernacle. That's why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. They reenact living in the desert and how God delivered them. And at the last day, the seventh day of this feast that the Jews have, they go to the Pool of Siloam and they get a golden pitcher and they fill it up with water and they go to the temple and they pour the water out over the altar. As the symbolically saying, just like when we were in the desert and Moses hit the rock with, a, with his rod and water came out of it, well, he spoke to it, and water came out of a rock, which the Bible says was Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus is the rock that the water comes out of, capital R, the rock that the water of the Holy Spirit comes out of. It says, just like God gave us water in a parched land in the desert when we were in the desert for 40 years out of a rock, so one day the Messiah is going to come represented by this golden pitcher. And he's going to pour out the Spirit of God upon us. And so the last day of the feast, thousands upon thousands of Jews are in Jerusalem. And they go and they get the golden pitcher and they fill it up with the water. And they come back to the temple and they are poured out. And as they're pouring it out over the altar, Jesus stands up and he shouts with a loud voice over everybody. You ready for this? John chapter 7. And he says this. In verse 37. John seven thirty-seven. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart or his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. A person that is, does not have the Holy Spirit is spiritually lost. It's not an insult. It's a condition. 
You cannot teach the Bible or understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Trying to teach the Bible or understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit is like putting on a blindfold and trying to describe a painting you've never seen before. We have people teaching religious class, religion classes, trying to teach the Bible without even knowing the author himself. It's impossible to do that. It is a closed book spiritually until you receive the Holy Spirit and your eyes are opened. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I've read that before but never understood it. Now I get it. Well, it's because the teacher's on the inside of you now. But Paul very clearly says, who was a teacher of the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee. He was one of the leading Jews of his day. He says that in the reading of the Old Testament, there are scales over people's eyes. He said, but when you come to Christ, the scales are taken off and the Spirit of the Lord reveals the Scriptures to you. Paul wrote that. He said it about himself. I didn't even realize I was spiritually blind. I didn't understand the Scriptures. I thought I did, but I didn't. But when I gave my life to Christ, the scales came off. Okay, so I hope I've made my case that you and I living without the Spirit of God is the greatest mistake we could ever make. This is why we are drawn to drugs and alcohol and, and uh, sexual addiction and careers and achievement and wealth and uh, uh, you know the praise of people and uh, the applause and accumulating as much as we possibly can you know he who has the most toys when they die wins um, we're just our, our need the materialism and the hedonism and the humanism I mean these are pursuits of ours because we're empty and we and we achieve them that's why you have midlife crisis you know many people achieve what they thought was going to satisfy but it doesn't why because the bible talks about hey all of you who hunger and thirst Come to me and drink, and your soul will be satisfied. Why do you spend your money on what does not satisfy, the book of Isaiah says. Or you get to your middle age or beyond, and you did not achieve the things that you thought, and so then you're depressed. And you buy the sports car. Two-seater. Sorry, that's not always a midlife crisis. Sometimes it's just because, and that's okay too. <laughs> but I will tell you this, I was looking through some old pictures last night. I watched that, what are you doing? I said, just reminiscing. I pulled out some old pictures. Oh my gosh, I saw a picture of my 280ZX turbo with T-tops. Oh man, I just, I started having flashbacks. I miss that car. They're fun. If it's just for fun, that's great. But if it's trying to meet a need, an insatiableness on the inside, now there's a problem. But once you and I receive the Holy Spirit, and this is the th main thing I'm going to land on, and then we're going to reactivate the Holy Spirit in here today. Many times when we come to Christ and you receive the Spirit for the first time, you feel an incredible peace that's the holy spirit a contentment that's the holy spirit a joy that's the holy spirit awareness of god a desire for the bible a desire to worship with god's people a desire to tell people what you have found that's the holy spirit 
But then we get busy. Then we get distracted. Then we start getting stressed. Then we stop reading the word. Then we stop going to church. Then we start getting dry again. And we wonder what's wrong with our spiritual experience. You'll see in the New Testament that they were filled with the Spirit again and again and again and again and again. You and I need to learn how to continuously tap into this supernatural power source that is available to us, the Holy Spirit, the rivers of living water. So I'm going to take just the next few minutes. I'm going to show a couple of ways to tap into this so that you and I can stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I'm done here, I'm going to come down front and I'm going to be available to lay hands on anybody who wants a fresh infilling. And and I believe the Lord said this to me this morning, that whoever does not have a prayer language or speaking in other tongues, the Bible calls it, that when I lay hands on you, Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I pray in the Spirit all the time. It's one of the main ways that I stir up the gifts within me, stir up the Spirit within me, that when I just feel bleh. Anybody ever wake up and you just feel bleh? Yeah? There's one, two, just one. Oh, you were scratching your ear. Just you and me. Me and Ann. That's it. The rest of you just jump out of bed like, like, uh, what was that dude, Simmons? What was his name? He used to do the, uh, in the 80s, he did the, huh? Richard Simmons, yeah. All the rest of you, descendants of Richard Simmons, me and Ann, we wake up and we're like, bleh. And then you got to pray. I got to pray. It's like, I don't feel like praying. But what I've learned is I've got to stir up the spirit within me so that I'm living on his life and his power, not my own. And one of the first things I do is I just begin to pray in the spirit. So I want you to have that gift. God wants you to have that gift. It's so important. It's so useful. You can pray all the time when you pray in the spirit. If you don't pray in the spirit, don't feel like you cannot be filled with the Spirit, because there's many other ways to fill the Spirit. So let me jump into these really quick. First of all, we have to understand, how do you stay filled with the Holy Spirit? By grace. It's never earned. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Galatians, Paul writing to a people that, a whole city that he had led to the Lord, these people, and yet then the religious people came down and tried to put all sorts of rules and regulations on them, saying, oh no, you can't have the Holy Spirit unless you do this, 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 and so Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writes this letter and says this, you people in Galatia were told very clearly about the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, but you were foolish. You let someone trick you. Tell me this one thing, this is like a parent scolding a child here. He's so upset. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by following the law? No. You received the Spirit because you heard the good news and believed it. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you're trying to make it complete by your own power. That's foolish. Were all, were all your experiences wasted? I hope not. Does God Now watch this. Does God give you the Spirit? And work miracles among you because you follow the law? Everybody say no. No. He does these things because you heard the good news and you believed it. Success in the kingdom of God is not by how much you achieve, but rather by how much you receive. 
Like every day, I feel like I've failed in some way, some respect. I'm sure you do too. It's just our human condition. I wake up in the morning, I go sit in the couch. I sit there and I don't want to pray, don't feel like it. And then I think about how I want to go into God's presence, but I'm not worthy. I always feel that way. I'm sure you do as well. It's just residual shame from being a fallen human being or actual sin that you've committed, the way you behave, I always feel that way. And this right here is what saves me. If you feel unworthy to be in God's presence and to be filled with the Spirit, you are. Just say it out loud right now. Say, I'm unworthy. Yeah. It's not a newsflash. And so when the enemy uses that against you, you just say, is that all you got? I already knew that. You got anything else? Anything else beyond that? I mean, you got, is that it? I'm unworthy? Duh. And then you enter in by grace. God, it's all free. It's always all free. It's always been free, always will be free. Jesus paid it all. It's kind of like when Josiah was in uh, wheelchair soccer. And they lost. And so they gave him a medal. And he's driving home. And he's in the back seat. And he says to Hope, why did they give me this medal? And she said, well, you know, it's for participating. And he said, that's stupid. A 12-year-old can figure it out. And he said, you know what? I have a, on my wall, I have medals that I've, I deserve. He says, I'm going to start a new wall, part of the wall, medals I didn't deserve. Well, I'm going to tell you something. All of our medals are on the part of the wall that we didn't deserve. Everything is by grace. You know what grace is? You get what you don't deserve. God's spirit, God's presence, God's forgiveness, God's salvation, God's wisdom, God's peace, God's financial blessings, heaven. And do you know what mercy is? Not getting what you do deserve. Everybody say grace and mercy. Grace is I get what I don't deserve. Mercy is I don't get what I do deserve. Me and Anthony, we're feeling each other right now, everybody. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So first, to stay filled with the Spirit, I'm going to see how I'm doing on my time here. Just a few more minutes, and then we're going to enter back into worship and let God pour out a spirit on us fresh and new. But I want to teach you this so that you can stay filled with the spirit. You can keep your car turned on and running. Keep the wind in your sails. You've got to learn how to do this. First, it's all free. So don't do that unworthy thing and just sit there and, and, and not receive from God. It's all a gift. Secondly, is you've got to stay in a spirit-filled community. You become a product of your environment. You guys know the story of the frog in the kettle, right? The frog in the kettle. Do you know what that's about? Where you can put a frog in tepid water in a pot, and then you can slowly turn it up, and it just gets comfortable to the environment until it's boiling. It won't, it won't leap out. The, you and I are products of our environment. That's why we maintain this atmosphere as a spirit-filled atmosphere. Because, and let me tell you what happened. When I first started this church, for the first few years, I did not ever teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't demonstrate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know I wasn't doing that. 
I mean, I didn't cognitive, I didn't like make the decision. I'm not going to teach on the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. I just, uh, well, the way I figured out that I had done that, that I had already processed that and deduced that in my mind was one night I was in prayer and I was like this, I was praying to the Lord and on a Saturday night before the Sunday morning and the Lord spoke to my heart and rebuked me. He said, you have no right to regulate my spirit and my church. And I went, like this. It was that, it was like a jolt of lightning, that rebuke. I was like. I said, Lord, if I've, if I've done that, first of all, forgive me, mercy. Second of all, tomorrow morning, have somebody operate in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the next morning, worship leaders leading worship. I'm right down there on the front row. And all of a sudden, somebody in the congregation just starts, poof, speaking in other tongues. I'm like. And then they interpreted, you know. Afterwards, they came up to me and they said this. Pastor John, I could not help it. And they said, the Spirit of God came on me. And he said, I know you don't want people operating the gifts of the Spirit on a Sunday morning. I'd never said that. How did he conclude that? Because I wasn't doing it and demonstrating it. You see, the leadership of anything creates the, the culture of whatever it is. A sports team, a business, a family, a church. That's why the leaders need to demonstrate and exhibit what they expect. And so, on the fourth Sunday, going down, I started, I started a series called Spirit-Filled Living. And as I was driving to church on the fourth Sunday, the Lord said, call everybody down front who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit now. And I thought, this church didn't sign up for this. Nobody's going to come down. I'm going to have to start all over. And when I, I got there and I preached on Spirit-Filled Living, and then I called for people to come down, everybody came down except teenagers who had had a bad spiritual experience in the previous church. I couldn't believe it. And then I began to have words of knowledge. This is what words of knowledge is when you know something about somebody and you can't know it unless God tells you. Like they didn't tell you that about them. I started having words of knowledge, spiritual gifts on different people. What gifts you have? And then we went down to Mexico to one of our churches down there and the gifts of the Spirit just started flowing through the team that went down there with me. And that was the beginning of the Spirit-filled church that we're part of now. couple weeks ago how 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 young are you huh 83 83 years young how long have you been in church born in church 83 years old never spoke in other tongues never filled with the spirit like that two weeks ago we preached on this he came down and he received his prayer language Same thing happened to Carol Gukwa two weeks ago. Same thing happened to Rose. Had to wait 83 years, how? I'm sorry, that's horrible. Seriously, you should learn this like the day you get saved, you should learn about the Holy Spirit, right? Living 83 years without that, that's horrible. We have a police officer here at the church 
who's been a Christian for a while, but he also was not aware of the availability of the, po- availability of the power of the Spirit. He works at UCSD, and he has students that he works with. And he said the other day, he's been operating the gifts of the Spirit. Nell, back here, and he's been operating the gifts of the Spirit for like two weeks now, having a Holy Spirit encounters. He had words of knowledge on some of his students just this last week. Tell them about their childhood, the things that they endured, how God wants to be a blessing to them. He said, I've never experienced that before in my life. And neither did his students. His students were like, they're calling him the God, the God officer now, the God man. Is that what they're calling you? <laughs> but the whole purpose is to draw them to Jesus. Thirdly is to cultivate a life of prayer. You just got to cultivate a life of prayer. Look what the Bible says about this. I'm going to, I'm going to close this up in just a minute. We're going to go into worship. I'm going to pray for you. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayer, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all of God's people. And then the Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, always be joyful, pray continually, and give thanks whatever happens. That is what God wants for you in Christ Jesus. Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? You have the power to hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecy as if it were unimportant. Look at the Passion Translation says, but you, my delightly, my delightful loved, loved, loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. And then the last couple, cultivate a life of praise. Look at this scripture. And do not get drunk with wine. Doesn't say you can't have a sip now and then. But do not get drunk with wine. Which leads to reckless living. Instead, everybody say instead. You see what, I, see what he's doing here where I began this message? When you're dry of the Holy Spirit, you've got to be filled with something. Our souls are parched as human beings separated from God. We live with parched souls. And so we turn to drunkenness. That's why they, you go to the bar, it's a, it's a substitute church. The pastor's behind the bar. You got the congregation in front of the bar. And you tell your problems to the pastor behind the bar. And he counsels you. And you get filled with the Spirit. And they call it wine and spirits. Now, I know that sounds funny, and you think I'm being funny, and it is funny, but it's not. That's literally what that is. It's a substitution for this, for the real thing. That's why he says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. Instead, keep on being filled in the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to explain this partnership here, and I'm not going to teach the rest of it because I've used up my time. That verb there, get drunk, get filled. In, in the Greek, there are different tenses of verbs. One is called a passive, where you just stand here. And I, and I need you to catch this because we're about to go back into a little bit of worship, and I want you to participate 
so that you can have an encounter. And I want you to do this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday too. In your car, in your bed, in the shower, at work, anywhere you go, on the beach, in this, wherever you are. You can tap into the rivers of living water flowing out of you. Now that you've got it, you've got to learn how to continue to flow in it, okay? There's a passive verb in the Greek, and that is you just stand there and do nothing, just wait for God. Then there is the, um, the active verb, which is everything's up to me. I got to make it happen. Then there's the middle voice, and that is both are true. God does it to me, and I participate in it happening to me. For example, let's take the drunk part. Wine can't make a person drink. But when the person drinks, the wine can make them drunk. And the drunker they get, the more they want to drink. It's the same with the Spirit. What came first? Does the Holy Spirit come upon me first? Or do I praise first so the Holy Spirit comes upon me? Yes. That's how it works. God breathes the Spirit in you. And all of a sudden, I have this desire. But if you just sit there and wait and do nothing, nothing's going to happen. It's a participation. That's why when we come in here, I don't feel like praising many times. I don't feel like praying many times. Sometimes I would rather just be sleeping than coming to church. Oh, oh you think I'm not human? What about you? Do you wake up every Sunday morning? It's like, yes, I get to get up early. And go to church and serve. No, you walk in here like a zombie. And that's why Josh is up here cranking out. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Woo, woo. Right? He's kind of like trying to get us wake up, to wake up. And about, you know, about the third song, he's like, oh, oh, yeah. Making him work hard. Yeah. That's why pre-service prayer is a great idea for everybody. 9.30, right here. We're stirring up the Spirit. As I come in, I know that if I choose to participate, I'm going to activate the Spirit. And I'm daydreaming about what I'm going to have for lunch. And I look at Josh, and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about the fight I had with one of my kids or my wife on the way to, oh, praise you, Jesus, praise you, and your mind's going. But as I'm activating, I'm singing, I'm participating, the Holy Spirit says, oh, okay, here we go. And all of a sudden, man, you're flowing in it, and you're in it. That's how it works. Smith Wiggersworth visited a church once. Hey, Josh, why don't you come on up here, and Michael and Bella. Smith Wiggersworth, who was a great preacher, didn't even get saved until he was 60. He was an illiterate plumber. His wife was the preacher. He gets born again at 60. And he starts preaching. But he couldn't read. But the Lord gave him the supernatural ability to read the Bible. And that's all he ever read. And he shook three continents, raising the dead. The, the miracles and the healings were just unprecedented other than Jesus. And he went to this Quaker church. A very religious environment. 
a heart for God, but very religious and very dry. And he went to this church and everybody just sitting there doing nothing. And after a while, he was getting so annoyed and bored. He said, what are you doing? They said, well, waiting for the spirit to move. So he jumps up and starts preaching. Bam, and all of a sudden they're like, woo! They said, how did that happen? He said, if the spirit's not moving, I move the spirit. He said, oh, you can't move God. Yes, we can. He has chosen for it to be a partnership. He requires us to ask him. He says in the Bible, I'm going to do this and this and this. Then he says, and I will let you ask me to do it. And James says, you have not because you ask not. Can you all stand on your feet this morning and begin to activate right now? Ask him. And if you don't feel anything immediately, if you don't have a divine experience right now, you're investing in your relationship with him. The Holy Spirit is watching you. He's loving it. God is saying, oh, they're coming at me. And sometimes God responds instantaneously. Sometimes he responds on your way home. Sometimes he'll respond tomorrow morning. But you've got to learn how to maintain being a spirit-filled Christian. It's by grace. It's through prayer. It's through praise. It's through being part of a spiritual community, keeping yourself in the atmosphere to remain spirit-filled. And you're going to experience more and more and more of God. So let's just begin to worship. And I'm going to come down front here, and I'm going to lay hands on anybody that wants a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. If you've never had a gift of uh, their tongues, praying to the Spirit, come down and lay hands on you. I'm going to ask the prayer teams, Maru and Francisco and Kathy and Gary and Chris and Rachel, you guys come down front, and we're going to lay hands on you. If you need physical healing in your body, you just might get a miracle this morning as the Holy Spirit begins to flow through this place. Some of you, I believe I'm getting this from the Holy Spirit, have been... This is called a word of knowledge. Where just I just know something. That's a gift of the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody has been dealing with severe depression. Coming here was like life and death for you. You barely made it here, but you are here. And Jesus wants to give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He wants to break that foul spirit of depression off of you, that yoke began in your childhood and it's just grown the things that have happened has just exasperated it but Jesus is going to break it when I come down when I'm down front here you come down and let me lay hands on you and pray for you let's let the Holy Spirit just begin to do some things in here today let's worship spirit for 